Welcome back to the Mammy Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today we have Terry Rich, the innovation speaker, author, and entrepreneur. Thank you, Derek, for getting into the show. Nice being here. Always fun to talk to people across the pond. So would you just like to give a quick intro of yourself first? Like, Well, let's start. I grew up on a farm, went to college, and I uh, was going to be a math major and uh, learned early on that it wasn't very exciting. So uh, a guy said, go over here and you can work in radio and television. Uh -huh. So as I graduated, I started in cable television before anyone had heard of cable television and sold door to door and worked my way up and ultimately became vice president of marketing and sales. And uh, when I grew up, my parents always said, work hard and then, you know, save for retirement. Mm -hmm. But at age 40, someone came in and tried to take over the company. We call it in, in America, hostile takeover. And uh, so we cashed it out. And with that, I got all the money that I thought I would ever need. It was like a Google or an Apple, or a really cool deal. So at age 40, I had to decide, well, what do I do now? So I started my own company and okay. did television production for HBO and, and other CNN, various cable networks across the country, and then turned 50. Guess what? Midlife crisis. Oh, yeah, we call it midlife crisis. Somebody always wants to do something different. I decided to get off the road. I traveled all I wanted. I'd made what I wanted. And a guy called and said, hey, they're going to close the local zoo. Would you be interested in running the zoo? Got it. Well, <laughs> I grew up on a farm. I guess a cow's not that much different than a uh, giraffe. So I ran the zoo and we, we were they were losing uh, 600,000 US dollars at the time. And we turned it around and raised a bunch of money. And lo and behold, uh, it became the second largest cultural attraction in the state. So at that point, I got a call from the person who is in charge of our state's lottery. And they said, hey, you did a good job with the zoo. Would you like to run the lottery? <laughs> well, that'd be fun because then you can uh, give away a lot of money and, and uh, see all the things that are going on there. So I ran the zoo for 10 years and then retired. And today I travel the world talking about innovation and talking about uh, ethics and fraud and uh, just to have time in my life it's a great retirement gig so that's that's what i do why don't you tell me why not give up in anything in business well uh, you know people people uh when i do speeches often say geez you really at the time millennials in our as we called them so always said yeah you did all this you've been really successful haven't you ever messed up haven't you ever failed yeah said, oh my gosh yes and all of the people who are very successful have failed in their life, but they learned how to pick themselves back up. I, I like the expression, it's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. And mm -hmm. a lot of people, when they go to work for someone, just want to, I've got to keep my job. So, you know, I, I don't want to go outside and try something crazy to do. And I, I learned it early on because I was on TV when I worked for the cable television company, I was on TV and I looked out on the on the TV monitor and I noticed I didn't have a five o'clock shadow. I did, you know, I that's razor really worked. So I decided to sit down and type a letter and and send it to Gillette to tell them how much I love their razor, knowing that I could be on national television. Okay. And much like you probably are when you play the lottery, how you think, gosh, what what if? You know, you're dreaming at this point. What if what yeah. if I win and get to go be on national television? Yeah. I got a letter back two weeks to the day, and here's what it said. Dear Mr. Rich, expressing your complete satisfaction with your Gillette razor, your track two, we thank you for your letter, but you wrote the wrong company. I completely <laughs> failed, completely really? failed. But you know what? It gave me the inspiration to move ahead and try to find uh -huh. ways to be on national television. And a couple of years later, 
I got a call to help promote a little small town with a big celebration they were having. And I wrote up a press release and I sent 44 letters out to the press and only one got a response. I failed 43 times, but that one letter was from a company called Associated Press, which does press releases all over the world. They liked it. They put it on the national wires, on the national press. And I got a call from someplace, a guy called Jim McCauley. He was the talent coordinator for, for a show called Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. Oh. And I got to go out and be on the Tonight Show, national television, 20 million people, and Good. tell the story of Cooper. And it was just phenomenal. Shot my career straight up. And I realized then, and I look back at that about failing, the first step to success, mm -hmm. because I realized that when we sent people to the moon, we sent three men to the moon, and people don't know this. This is really weird because everybody thinks, okay, if you are a project manager, you're the CEO of a company, and you say, okay, we're going to do something on this day, and then we're going to make that goal, and then we're going to make that goal, and blah, 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 you're probably setting yourself up for failure. At least NASA did, the people who sent the men to the moon. Because when they sent the men to the moon, they didn't just say 10985463211 blast off. We'll see you in two weeks because we've got this all planned out and it's going to work. No, they failed over 90% of the time. They were off course. They had to do course yeah. corrections over 90% of the time. And I realized when you are in business, most people fail, but they look for ways to improve it and to add to that and to take calculated risks so that they don't just blow all of their money right out of the bat if they're a new entrepreneur they try something and if it fails they still have 90 percent of their money to be able to do that so i really worked that as part of my mantra every time i had a success i would take a portion of that and put it off to the side and use that to try something new really crazy fun things to do uh like a soccer game that we did that has turned out to be really successful or other things that I did where I actually failed. But when I lost it, just like if you're at a casino and you lose money, you don't reach in your pocket and grab more, only bet with what you can lose. What do you mean by calculated risk and how to proceed with it into the business ideation? Sure. Well, first off, you only bet with what you can lose. Calculated risk means that you come up with an idea and you put money into it. And if you lose it, you still have enough money to continue and to succeed and to try something else new. You don't bet the entire bankroll when, when you go out. The other is when you talk calculated risk, I love the idea generation. And if you think about, you have a, did you drink wine? Do you have a lot of wine where you're at? Yeah. You know what wine yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So when they make wine, the winemaker doesn't just take the bushel basket and they go out and go in their backyard and only use the grapes in their backyard. Uh -huh. The people who win the awards go out and they get, get, get grapes from all across the valley, all across the mountains to bring in to find that one grape that will work. And that's the same way with idea, idea generation. You want to have 100 ideas. And to do that, when you brainstorm, we call it brainstorming, mm -hmm. sit around a table, you want to have a small group and you want to say, okay, we're only going to, we're going to take every idea and we're going to put it in here. No ideas, a bad idea is we have no judgment. And the okay. reason that you do that is you want to put all those ideas together so that the next step after you do that, you put those ideas, write them down, put them aside. The next thing you do is to wait a little while, whether that's an hour or a day or two, and you get people around. Now, when you generate the ideas, you want to make sure you don't have people around the table that look just like you or act just like you. You want yeah. a diverse 
group of people with diverse ideas because today, just like you and you and I are talking here, today we have a global market. If you come up with the right million dollar idea, yeah. you can sell it across the world. So you want to sell it to everybody, not just to someone who looks like you or acts like you. Yeah. So you put those ideas together and then you allow the accountants, you allow the legal uh, advisors that you have, you allow uh -huh. the operations folks to get together and look at all those hundred ideas and prioritize those. So you take calculated risks on the top ideas that everybody says, that's the one that's going to work. Because if you're sitting around and just say, okay, here's my idea and use that one idea, you're fraught with problems because you haven't really vetted it with anybody. You haven't, now you're not taking a calculated risk you're taking an enormous risk. So you want to have people around you that advise you to give you advice on which one works the best. You always want to have good people around you. And again, diverse people. If everybody thinks like you, acts like you, uh, you, you won't get an honest feedback on what mistakes you might make or not make. The other thing we tried to do, and this, this is kind of an interesting one that took me till I was probably 50 or 60 to understand, and that is, how do you get ideas from all the individuals within your organization or all your friends? And we came up with, I, I was working for the lottery and that's a government organization. And so they, they don't like taking risks because they don't wanna lose their job. Government jobs are good jobs. So I would walk in and say, hey, can we paint the, the wall yellow? And let's put pink polka dots over here. Let's do this, let's do that. All trying to give an idea, but when we met, you could just see they were petrified. They were terrified because I said, what's going on? They said, well, we can't do all of these things. And I said, oh my gosh, you, you don't have to do them all. I'm just trying to get you motivated to think about what can we think outside the box to be able to do it. Uh -huh. And we came up with three simple initials that when we do emails back and forth, or we talk back and forth, we called COT. That COT stands for consider or throw away. Now there yeah. are rules when you talk to people about creating new ideas, because remember, you're trying to fill the bushel basket with new ideas, no judgment. That's the first and foremost. If I send you an idea, don't react, no judgment. We just want to get it down and send me your ideas. Huh? And when I give you an idea, you can either look at it or you can simply throw it away. I just want to get it off my chest. And so you have a lot more free form ideas when you use this consider or throw away idea. And then with your friends and everybody else, you say, you remember, no judgment. So don't react to it. When we get the ideas all together, we will uh, then prioritize them and see which ones come to the top to make it good. Again, back to the calculated risk you asked me about a little bit ago. Is it better to work for someone else to get started, like like to get the capital to get started something on or like, is it best to take loans? Like a good question. I, I my, my thought is, I mean, some people, if you're as crazy as I am, started to write out, went, jumped right into their own business. Mm -hmm. I, I never was around anybody who started a company, so I, I wouldn't know how to do that early on. But when I got into a find a company that's really fun, hate to say it, but McDonald's might be the one because they've got the business model down, right? Uh -huh. Find a company that really knows how to do it. FedEx, or the ones that are the big ones. Go to work for them and then get your idea going. Learn all of the business techniques learn that you have to have insurance that's going to cost you some money and you need this you need that you know uh, liability insurance you, you hire people you got to kind of understand how do you do that and yeah. then take your idea and start working on it at night and the weekends until the point that you're selling enough that you can quit and go to work for yourself to make the money that way you're not betting your entire house and all yeah. of your life savings on that new idea so 
I like the theory of working for someone else first and learning best, uh, find a company, even if you don't want to work for them for life, you, you find a company that is doing well so you can learn what their yeah. techniques are to take to your own really great business idea. So I think that's a good, the, the other thing I would say, I get asked, what would you do if you were 21 again? What would you recommend to somebody to be successful? I said, there are two things. Number one, every time someone says, hey, the bathroom needs cleaned and the janitor's gone today, raise your hand. <laughs> I, anybody who raises their hand and volunteers when no one else yeah. wants to will be recognized by management to be leaders and people who will be successful. The second is try to figure out early on in life how to be happy or how to relax. I never really figured that one out because once you've been successful and you taste the, what success is like, it's like drugs or cocaine. I've never done drugs, but I know it has to feel like this, that once you've had success, you want to do it again and again, because it is so yeah. rewarding, both the money and the knowledge that I did it. You know, you, you're, you yourself did this and became successful. Knowing you're going to have failures also then gives you the opportunity when you have a failure to say, okay, I knew that would happen at some point and I didn't spend yes. my whole lot on that, my all my money. So, you know, I'm going to try something else. According to you, the business loans are another thing. A business loans, some people, sometimes you have to do it, but again, take calculated risk. Don't do it and, yeah. and put the leverage up or the capital up of all your money in your bank account or your house or your business to do that. Because if you lose it, you've lost everything. So uh, I, I also say take as few partners as you can, because anytime you have a partner in a business, Mm -hmm. uh, the partner has input. Anytime you have a bank in the business, the bank has input on how you operate. So the more you can do with your own cash, the more freedom you have to do what you want to do, because no one's going to be looking over your shoulder. Now, that's not to say what you want to do when you start a new company is to have advisors. And you can yeah. have an advisory board that doesn't get paid until you make X amount of dollars, who is a lawyer, an accountant, things yeah. that you're not really, because new entrepreneurs are really pretty poor at managing a business once they get in. They've got the idea and they can get it started, but you need a good operations person. You need a good accountant. You need a good lawyer to give you the advice so that you can continue to keep coming up with those new ideas. You recently just gave over the billion dollars. Tell the whole story behind the stuff. Giving away a billion dollars is pretty easy when it's not your money, right? When I worked <laughs> for the lottery, we had big jackpots. We have a, 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 uh, jackpot here called Powerball, one called Mega Millions. And we had a couple that really went up to a, a lot of money and we had winners in our state. And it was really fun to be able to give that uh, winner. And and we asked the winners, right, you know, I'm not knowledgeable. What happens if you win the lottery? What should you do? We always asked the winners after they won a few months afterwards, what did we do right and what did we do wrong in giving the money away that, that made it more successful for you? Because most people, if they can't handle the money in a lottery before you win, you're sure not going to handle it afterwards. So we always told them, get a lawyer and get an accountant right away. Don't come in and claim it right away. Put it in a safe place. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other is that they told us, which I thought was interesting, is that I wish I'd have waited 30 days to buy the Lamborghini, you know, the fancy car, because I might have wanted a green one whether, rather than a red one knowing that I'm always going to have the money because I got the money, but a lot of people like to go spend it right away. And those pieces of advice were really helpful for us. So you, you said like you saw the U.S. lottery fraud, you know, and been the CEO of the zoo as well. What's the story behind that too? 
All right. Well, let's let's talk the fraud. Then I'll talk the, the zoo um, huh. during the time we were giving away all this money. Now, you can tell I love marketing and promotion. I'll tell you the fun marketing and promotion studies. Then I'm going to give you a million dollar idea here at the end of the show, if that's all right. The marketing or the uh, the, the fraud was we had a had a, somebody come in and they won sixteen point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's good. But no one came in to claim it. And then it went two months, three months. You know, that's real unusual that they didn't claim it. They had a year to claim it. And so we kept barking and, and at about 11 months, we got a call from a lawyer in Canada who said, Hey, that's my money. I bought it. And we said, okay, well, in our, in the U S most every convenience store, uh, has a camera and some of them even have audio. So we asked what he was wearing. Cause we go out and get that video right away for security reasons. Said he was wearing a, a tweed sports coat. This guy was wearing a hooded sweatshirt. So we knew he was creating fraud. So we called in the authorities, they did research, and when it all was said and done, we found that an internal uh, guy at the National Office of Lotteries in the US, we combined all our money on the big jackpots to send in Uh and out, he had rigged the computer to draw numbers so that he could narrow it down from millions of combinations to about 200, and then he could write them all down, give it to his brother and his uh, best friend. He, uh, as most people do, he was greedy because he won a few hundred thousand dollars here and there over 10 years and kept winning, but he had rigged it so he could, he could predict those numbers once a year, but he went after the big jackpot of 16.5 million in our state, not realizing one, that he was being recorded two that uh, he was in a state that required that we find out who bought the ticket, knowing that he couldn't because he had worked for a vendor who was prohibited by law to do it. So it took us almost six years to bust this. And we found out he, his brother, and his best friend were claiming jackpots around the United States. And lo and behold, we had enough evidence that we actually cracked the case, found out how he did it, got him in prison for up to 25 years, and something I never want anybody to ever have to go through. So that's kind of why I travel the world now, just saying, you know, you want checks and balances. If you own a business, Make sure only one person writes the purchase orders and another person writes a check. So one person doesn't have all the keys to the kingdom. That was kind of what this guy had. So from being a promoter and a marketer, I went to being a police person, kind of, sort of, and got to help lead the team to uh, to bust this guy. And the prosecutor, Rob Sand, was phenomenal <laughs> to get him in jail when it was all, all three were found guilty when it was all said and done. Now, from a marketing standpoint, when I came out of that, Remember when I came out of the uh, doing my own cable television business and being an entrepreneur, I hit midlife crisis and I got the call to run the zoo. Now, you know, I I grew cows when I was growing up, but I'd never run a zoo. And they had the basic business dilemma that you and I know about. And that is when you get started, you got to make sure you know about cash flow, which means you have enough money to operate every single day. And they were losing $600,000 a year. So they said, well, we know we can make money if we need $2 million. You go raise $2 million bucks to get us a new exhibit, put a new tiger exhibit or whatever they wanted. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't have time. We don't have time to do that. We need to do some things that would get us money right away. And so we knew we had every kid. So this is back to that getting the bushel basket and getting ideas. How do, how do we get, we have the kids now because most two to 12 year olds go to the zoo, but how do we get millennials, young adults who who uh, don't yep. often go out or go to the zoo because they don't have kids. Yeah. So we decided, what are they like? <laughs> booze, right? So we started a booze night. We called it Zoo Brew, where we served beer and alcohol 
and Got we it. opened the zoo and we brought them in, had a rock band playing and lo and behold, we, we started selling. And I think one year we did $250,000 just in Zubru. We cash floated immediately. So it was a, it was a crazy, crazy, interesting idea that cost almost nothing to do, use the resources that we had, because when you have a company, at some point you're going to level off. People move away, people die, and they bought, have already bought your product. So you got to innovate again to continue to look for new things to bring in a different type of clientele. The other thing we did, which was really fun, which brought a lot of people through the door, was we realized that there's one thing that a zoo has that's free that we could have some fun with, and that's all the animals poop. Uh-huh. So we, we got an exhibit called Scoop on Poop. It had elephant poop and tiger poop and all these different poops. And the kids would come in and giggle. I mean, they, and the word <laughs> got out. You got to go see this exhibit the, uh, that's called Scoop on Poop. But yep. in addition, we found out we have something called a white-tailed deer and their prey. And we knew that tigers were predators from Africa were predators. So we took tiger poop and we sold it in gallon buckets for $20 and sold it and people put it around their flowers and then the deer wouldn't eat their vegetation. And we made $20,000 that summer just on selling tiger poop. So those are just some examples of thinking outside the box. When you own a company, you got to look for things that get you to the next level. And most employees don't like change, but you've got to change. You got to look around and know that you got to sell online as an example today. And you got to learn how to do social media today Uh if you want to be successful in, in what you're doing. And that's, obviously what you're doing and trying to reach out and do do social media and do a podcast any best advice for anyone who is getting started with a business don't be afraid don't be afraid to do it surround yourself with people who have done it get advice from people who have done it and get advice from things that you know i didn't know that much about accounting when i started my own company i didn't know that much about legal so having people advise me really made the difference and kept me out of trouble so i didn't hit bankruptcy at any point you know someone had to say did you realize when you worked for that company that they were paying for insurance and they were paying taxes and they were doing this and doing that things that I never saw as an employee. So you got to kind of factor that all out in before you really, really start that company. Can I give you the million dollar idea now? Cause even you guys, you can do it there and anybody, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to figure out because I think this is a big one. So when we did this big lot, we had a big lottery jackpot and I was on the marketing committee. They said, hey, help us with an idea to promote the jackpot amount. Uh Uh, Okay, so I'm thinking, so I'm driving home, remember the bushel basket, trying to think of ideas. And I looked up and there was the moon, but it wasn't a full moon, it was only about half of the moon. (laughs) And I thought, wait a minute, what if I could find a laser or a big spotlight and project the jackpot amount on the dark side of the moon so everybody on on earth could see it? we could own the moon as a billboard. <laughs> so I started calling around and they, they told me that the atmosphere would break it all up and you couldn't really get it. So now I need to get Elon Musk to let me have one of his satellites and put that laser on the satellite to be able to get the moon. But isn't that, nobody's claimed that yet. So let's get that claimed and make us a million bucks. What do you think? We will talk about this obviously, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, Terry. Thank you so much for having into the show. And I guess I have loved it. People will obviously love it. And I would love to have you in probably in the next season or so. And thank you so much for having in. Absolutely. Well, this is always a fun uh, pleasure. And if anybody's looking for a conference or looking for a speaker, uh, terryspeaks.com is the website and it has all the information, has books on both the lottery fraud and and, uh, ideas. But 
bottom line is I just really enjoy meeting people like you who are looking and taking the next step in life to try new things. It's really fun.